All right, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's episode, I'm actually going to talk about Batman Hush. I'm going to kind of talk about my review of the movie and really the comic book and kind of just kind of my overall opinions of both. It's a uh, it's reminiscent of an old format I did on the original uh, Nerd Stuff with Ian podcast where I would do the graphic novel to movie comparison or animated movie comparison to kind of just give you guys a different idea of like how they adapted it. So Batman Hush, the original book was done by Jeff Loeb with artwork by Jim Lee. And it's a storyline that very much it's kind of just one of those where, in a lot of ways, it was a it was a retcon, while at the same time it was an origin story for Bruce Wayne. And it was a good story. Jeff Loeb's always been one of those guys when it comes down to Batman. Like, he's always realistically done a very good job with writing for the character. I mean, he had a big... Uh, th- I think like it was like a big, giant... Uh, uh, Batman, like, three big Batman stories he did previous to even Batman Hush, which was, I think, Batman The Long Halloween, Batman Dark Victory, and I think there's one more, I think it's Batman Haunted Night, I believe, and, just give me, while I'm looking it up, and essentially there, they did a very good idea with kind of just changing up, you know, ideas for, you know, giving a good detective Batman story is essentially what they were going for. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Jeff Loeb has, whenever he does a Batman story, he usually tries to be very consistent with Batman is the world's greatest detective. That's always been his go-to thing. And that's kind of how he stuck with it. So it was pretty much Batman the Long Halloween, Batman Haunted Night, and then Batman Dark Victory. And there it's Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. That was how Jeff Loeb kind of got involved with it. Jim Lee, a lot of people know of from you know Wildstorm and Wildcats in particular, I believe. And... Just his artwork on 90s X-Men. Just his, this anime Americanized, this, uh, I guess I should put, anime Americanized, like, versions of the iconic X-Men characters. And he just did such a great job with it, that to this day, like, you have, oh yeah, no, I know that Cyclops. But then you'll have, like, I want the Jim Lee version of that Cyclops. Or the Jim Lee version of Wolverine, the Jim Lee version of Gambit. Rogue, he entirely have or has his own version of those characters. And it just shows his influence upon them as just his artistic style, the way it is. And I mean, he still does do artwork from time to time. It comes down to whenever he does have time, he does right now, he is under contract with DC and he just does a lot of work with them. 
he is one of the higher ups with them, so he doesn't really do that much Marvel stuff, or if any right now. But he had a giant influence on just the art world. He was a part of that big, like, the art boom with Todd McFarlane. It was Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee were probably the top three guys. You had others that were involved, but they were the big part of the whole image boom. But to bring it back, Batman Hush, the story, is it's a detective story where Batman's dealing with this new villain called Hush, who he knows too, he knows Bruce Wayne's identity. He is systematically just trying to mess with his head. And he does it over this 12-issue story. Now, if we go off the comic book, which I'll, I'll talk about, the comic book, you have pretty much Bruce Wayne is fighting Killer Croc at the beginning. Killer Croc's being used to get money for, uh, I think it's like a millionaire's child who's up there who just happens to have some association with the president. It's a whole big thing. I think it was like a weapons... He was the son of an arms dealer or an arms manufacturer that was involved with the president. All sorts of stuff. Batman managed to get in there. He defeated Killer Croc. It took a minute, but he managed to beat him. And then, while that was going on, the money was stolen via Catwoman, who then brought to, to Poison Ivy. And while Batman was chasing after Catwoman, his line was snapped and he fell. And Bruce Wayne, in his, you know, just, he was roughed up. If you go based off the book, Huntress is the one that actually pretty much came in and helped him, protected him from everything that was going on. Because at that time, they were still trying to figure out what they wanted to do with Huntress. She was still part of Birds of Prey. There's a lot of different moving pieces when that story was written. And... Batman pretty much gets put into the vehicle and Alfred's like he has to go to hospital. And Bruce Wayne just he sign languages that he wants to see Thomas Elliot, who is a highly skilled brain surgeon. Because from how Bruce fell, you know, he survived, but he had a very much a fractured skull because of it. So, of course, Alfred's thrown off, he's like, Well, you haven't brought up Thomas Elliot in in years. But, I mean, he is the best in the world. So, of course, Thomas Elliot comes in there, does his thing. He fixes up Bruce Wayne, brings him back to life. Or more, I shouldn't say bring him back to life, but helps get his brain hemorrhaging and the brain fractures all back to normal. So, this way, he's it still takes him some time, but he gets more and more back to normal. And it works out for Bruce because it kind of gives him a chance to reconnect with an old friend in Thomas Elliot, and kind of let Bruce in a lot of ways kind of, you know, see the connection that they had. Now, Thomas Elliot, when he was created, he he was originally a, or he is a Jeff Loeb creation. He's not a, you know, a character who's always been in Bruce's life. He was, he was retconned in. And that was something that Jeff Loeb did a great job of doing, is retconning in an old childhood friend who Bruce doesn't see often, who just happens to be a neurosurgeon of the highest amount. And 
Of course, it leads to Bruce kind of, you know, rekindling their friendship. And Bruce kind of gets back on his feet to kind of figure out kind of what he has to do. They, they of course, you know, they're trying to get him up and going. And Alfred and, of course, Thomas Elliot are kind of like, he needs to slow down. More as Thomas Elliot, you can kind of assume he knows who Batman is. And he, infer, he pretty much infers, he kind of does, telling Bruce he needs to slow down his lifestyle. While not saying he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So, as the story progresses, Batman, of course, you know, he he figures out that Catwoman, he finds Catwoman, and he more or less is able to get answers from Killer Croc as well. Kind of pieced together that, pretty much, Killer Croc was easily manipulated. He knows Killer Croc's not the big bad brains. Catwoman was involved. Catwoman kind of goes and talks to him, and... She more or less says Poison Ivy was the big one behind it. So, of course, Bruce being who he is, he goes after Poison Ivy and he gets, you know, Catwoman involved. Catwoman goes, I want revenge. I don't like being manipulated. You know, which she was when she got the money brought to, when she brought money to Poison Ivy. Now, in that same story, you find out that Poison Ivy actually got some version of synthetic kryptonite. Chooses, and if you know what poison ivy's big thing is, if she kisses you, the pheromones she's very much plant like she puts off, she can put whether male or female under her spell, she can manipulate them. So she puts on a synthetic kryptonite lipstick that is able to more or less put Superman under her control, and more or less, kind of, she can use the big, the big blue boy scout as her. Or I guess say Superman as her bodyguard. Batman, of course, he knows they're going to Metropolis. He knows that's the main, the main place for some plants that Poison Ivy would have. Because she manages to... Of course, when they first find her, she manages to get away. She kind of gets away due to Killer Croc. Kind of helping her out because he does end up escaping. He, it's just a lot of stuff that's going on. And I kind of have to try and bump through a lot of it because it's a great story and it's one that just has a lot of moving things and moving villains that are involved but they're not as pivotal to the story they're kind of just pawns in the in the way forward so of course batman of course has to face off against superman he kind of figures superman might have gotten taken control by poison ivy and he tells catwoman this is the plan i need you to Morris, get Lois Lane, push come to shove. You, you, we're gonna need to figure out something to stop Bruce because if he's under her Poison Ivy's control, it's gonna be very difficult, and I'm not gonna be able to beat him one on one. And Bruce, of course, takes out a Kryptonite ring and just starts. He knows he's got a battle against Superman. He knows Superman's still in there, but he's not fully able to control everything. But he knows he's thinking he's controlling his actions. So Batman and Superman go at it, and I mean, Batman, of course, tricks him with saying, like, hey, I put on the gas, you use your heat vision, this whole place goes up, you know, you're you're screwed. Like, you destroy, you destroy your city before you take with me. So, of course, they start going at it. Batman's hitting him as hard as he can, and in the book, Batman pretty much says, he's like, 
I'm literally, if the more I hit him, the my hand's going to break. He's like that. Even with the Kevlar and everything like that bracing my body, he's like, hitting Superman, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. And it kind of validates just Superman is something of, you know, you always have the Superman-Batman debate. Oh, well, Batman beats Superman with kryptonite. Batman just needs prep time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, I, I'm a giant Batman fan, but I will put this out there. Superman mercs Batman all day, every day. Superman doesn't even need to be near Batman to take Batman out. Just in all honesty. If Superman really wanted to take out Batman, and he didn't want to just let the battle go on because Superman, in a lot of ways... I I want to say egotistical to a bit to a standard, but Superman also is kind of one of those guys where he he knows he can beat pretty much everybody, but he doesn't want to go full force. He's not he doesn't want to do what he knows could easily beat his opponent. So of course Superman's of course gonna. Be a little doing love tap stuff like that. He's still gonna hurt you, but he's not gonna be just wailing on you to just and just murking you with one punch. And that's kind of Superman's problem is he takes it easy too much, and in the long run that hurts him. As just in all intents and purposes, it'll hurt him because that's led to some fights he's had that he really gets more injured for than he should. Which, essentially, one of the biggest, one of Superman's biggest faults. So, Batman and Superman, they, they go at it. And, of course, Batman manages to get away. Catwoman gets Lois Lane. Catwoman goes, well, this, I got nothing else to do. Just tosses, pretty much, Lois Lane off the roof. Because she's like, if I don't do something now, Bruce is going to die. Or Batman's going to die. Like, there's nothing that they can really do. So, of course, Superman grabs Lois out of, just snaps out of it, grabs her. And Superman's not very happy because he knows, because Batman, of course, knows just how much Clark really loves Lois. And if something really did happen to her because of him, Batman can't stop Superman, no matter how hard he tries, and no matter how much a writer and prep time can give Batman. There, there's no stopping that, in all honesty. So, pretty much, Superman, Batman, and Catwoman end up finding Poison Ivy again. They take her out, and they manage to recover some money. But, during, but before that ha happens, you have pretty much Poison Ivy talking to Crunch Hush, the mysterious villain that's been around, who's been watching Batman, studying Batman, who knows who Batman is. And he's been Morris biding and watching his time. Biding and watching. Because he knows he needs to watch his opponent. And they Poison Ivy and him had a quick exchange, and he Morris takes the money back from her. He he says, Thank you for your participation in this, more or less. And he goes. And, of course, as I go back forward, Batman and Catwoman knock out Poison Ivy with Superman. 
And then they more or less go back to Gotham City. Batman, at this point, still trying to figure out, you know, this whole mystery of Hush. He's going through a lot because he doesn't know what to really think in regards to it. Because this man knows who he is. He knows in order to cut his bat line, it has to be, they have to be very, very much know what to use to cut the bat line. And it very much is something that gets in Batman's head. Because he's like, someone has to, if it's somebody that I would know, it has to be someone that has trained with me to know how to cut that, cut that line. Or studied that. And as the story goes on, Batman, of course, he's still he's still trying to figure out who Hush is. But as Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne's kind of out there trying to kind of live a life. He's kind of trying to do the dual identity thing, trying to kind of find some sort of happiness. Well, he runs to Selena Kyle, and those two at this point, they've been kind of building up a dialogue and a conversation between the two of them. And it seems like things are kind of going their way. You know, Selena Kyle has always kind of been one of those ones, even though she's a cat burglar or a kleptomaniac, however you want to go about it. Bruce has always kind of had a thing for her. So, of course, Bruce, her, they go on a date. They're going all stuff. And after Bruce has talked with Thomas Elliot, and they've done their introducing, and she, Catwoman's brought along by friend of Bruce who's known Bruce for long, Leslie Thompson's, they, it all kind of matches up. Well, during this clown perform or this performance, say opera performance that's going on, you have Harley Quinn who's trying to, Morris interrupts it and goes, I'm looking for Bruce Wayne. She doesn't really say looking for Bruce Wayne. She's looking for the person who has Mr. J. Because somebody has him and they're going to try and kill him. Bruce, of course... Knows Harley Quinn's probably got a chance of looking for him. And she starts just going after people. They Thomas or Thomas Elliott gets Leslie Tompkins out. Bruce and Selena kind of separate out because neither of them know who they are. Bruce knows who Selena is. Selena doesn't know who Bruce is. And Selena goes off, and as Catwoman starts going after Harley Quinn, they have a quick fight. And Catwoman kind of more or less gets beat not easily but she ends up losing footing and gets beat by harley quinn and harley quinn more or less is on her way out trying to escape because batman's showing up and when batman shows up he thinks he found harley quinn he comes outside and it's actually the joker and it's the joker laughing maniacally with tom Elliott with a bullet in his head you know, Thomas Elliot's dead, and this, and all the rage that Bruce is feeling just comes out. He's like, I, all these times I've let him, Joker, do everything he has to, do everything he's done, killing people, all that stuff. I've kept the count. I've I've known what he's done. It drives Bruce mad, and angers him to the point of where. Just he just starts going in on the Joker, and the Joker's telling him like this isn't what it looks like. He's like, I know I've said that before, but this is not what it looks like. But Batman, he's he's so furiated, he just starts beating the living 
crap out of the Joker, just nonstop. Joker's trying to laugh. He's like, it's not me. Batman's still punching him, doing whatever it takes. And we're still following the book, mind you. So as Batman's doing this, you know, Harley Quinn tries to stop him. Harley Quinn gets kicked away. Catwoman tries to stop him. Batman is just not one to listen anymore. He is just like he dies tonight. And Batman has his hands around Joker's throat. And he's, he's almost there until Jim Gordon starts firing bullets at him. He goes, you need to stop. I'm not letting you fall down this rabbit hole because he's doing this. You know, stop it. Get yourself together. You are the justice that this city needs. You're the thing that the city needs to be saved. Do not let him be the thing that brings you down. And he ends up talking Bruce over off the ledge. And Bruce eventually just lets go of the Joker. But, I mean, it, it takes a sheer amount of will for Bruce to just stop from wanting to just kill the Joker for what he did. And Batman just truly is just saddened. So you, of course, you have Bruce and Catwoman, kind of, or Batman and Catwoman. They kind of just they end up escaping, or they just get away. And the funeral of Thomas Elliot happens. Bruce, and along with you know family friends, you know the Bat family, which was Dick and Tim, because during this time Damian Wayne had not been created, because that was under Grant Morrison. They're dealing with kind of just the aftermath of just not them not really knowing too much about Bruce's past with Thomas Elliot and just Bruce just being deeply saddened. Bruce, of course, leads it, reads a uh, a poem. And they make a joke about it. It's uh, I can't remember the poem off the top of my head, but they uh, Bruce says the poem. Everyone's like, of course, he's going to say that one. And they they start bombing on him real quick, but they're they're whispering because no one wants to be overly disrespectful. Bruce kind of goes through all this, and it's just he's feeling it because he's feeling alone. But at the same time, he's recognizing when he thinks about his past with Tommy. Tommy didn't doesn't really have what Bruce has. You know, to kind of get backstory on Thomas Elliot. Thomas Elliot, you know, he lost. His fan lost his dad to a car accident that could have easily been saved from. But unfortunately, his dad passed. It was a tragic accident. Thomas Wayne, Bruce's father, was meant to save him. He was one of the best surgeons in the world, neurosurgeons, and he, he ended up failing. You know, Bruce told Thomas, he's like, my dad will get him through. My dad will get him through. And... Thomas is the only one that was never afraid of Bruce. He was never judging Bruce on just the amount of money he had, but he judged Bruce based off his character of person. He always told Bruce, you know, you can always compete with me, but you'll never beat me in chess. They play, And this is kind of like Bruce is going through his mind and just these different things. And I'm bringing these stuff up because I haven't talked about any of the flashbacks. So I'm kind of just throwing a bunch of them out there. Thomas Elliot, after some of the flashbacks, after you find out that Thomas Elliot's 
course, extremely mad because he's mad at Bruce for lying to him. He punches Bruce in the face, and Thomas is just wailing, crying, because he just he lost his dad. And Bruce, at this point, is... He still has his mom and dad. He hasn't lost them yet. And, you know, he's... In a lot of ways, he still has a perfect life. And it irritates Thomas Elliot. It irritates Tommy. Now, to go back to what I was talking about before that, the Flash... With them playing chess, Tom Selly had always told Bruce, you know, you can always compete with me, but until you think like your opponent, you'll never beat me. I, he's like, I know your moves. You're never going to outthink me. I know how to out, I know how to beat you. And he proves time and time again he can beat Bruce. And kind of, that kind of is like some of the bigger flashbacks I'm bringing up. So jump back after the funeral and everything like that. Bruce is thinking about his family and thinking about, wow, with Tom Selling. Tom Selling, he has no one. You know, he moved to Philadelphia. His mom has passed of, I think she had like dementia and other things that was going on. So he was literally by himself. And he had a lot of different things. But Bruce always had a life. Bruce had a family. Unlike Tom Selling, who didn't have those things. He was alone. He was mad. He blamed Bruce. And he went through all these different things to, you know, in all intents and purposes, to, if you want to look at it, he wanted to blame Bruce Wayne for some of that stuff. But at the same time, he didn't want to put that out there because as he got older, he he had to recognize that it was childish for him. And that's why he wanted to rekindle his friendship with Bruce, just kind of given context. Now, as the story progresses, everything like going on, Bruce, again, I said he thinks about his, his team, and they start noticing a little something different about him. They go, Well, we see you've been, you know, we see you've been talking to Selena again. You're kind of open relationship. Like, what do you want to do with her? Do you want to have do you want to be with her? Do you want to, you know, do all these things? And Bruce is kind of just like he doesn't know. And Dick Grayson, of course, being who he is, he's he's very much up front, doesn't really care. He's going to get in Bruce's face because, of course, he's the first one. He's more or less the oldest, or to put it out there, if a Bruce's sons, Dick is the oldest. And Dick is the only one that really and truly, in lots of purposes, he's earned that respect from Bruce to be able to talk to him the way he can or the way he does. And he, those two, of course, they're, they're going off to fight the Riddler and the Riddler is just doing his old thing, which Bruce easily thwarts. And Bruce pretty much just Bruce and I, when they're talking through it as they beat the Riddler and they more or less defeat him easily. And it kind of just, Shows you Batman's been like, I've been toying with you. He's like, I've already known all your riddles. I know how to beat you. You're you're nothing. You're just the C-level villain that you've always been. He's like, wherever you think you are, you're not. He's like, so stop trying to pretty much get my attention. You're not that guy. And more or less just shows that to him, the Riddler is just nothing. Now, up to this point, a lot of both the film and the book are pretty much 
the same. They, they've pretty much gone through the same beats. The only bigger differences, and I'll bring it up now, is Bane was the big villain, was took the place of Killer Croc in this one. But everything else is pretty much, between the two, is the same. So, in case people are wondering, well, what's the bigger differences? Up to this point, they're pretty much the same. The story's flowing very well. And, they're again, they're still dealing with the Riddler. They've handled the Riddler. So, this is where they, these two slowly but surely start to divert. So, I'm more and more bigger differences. So... After Bruce and Dick defeat the Riddler, pretty much beforehand, I should bring it up, that Bruce went and confronted LexCorp. He went to LexCorp, and for most of you who know, LexCorp was owned by Lex Luthor in Metropolis. Now, during this time, Talia al Ghul, the daughter of Ra's al Ghul, was running LexCorp. She went under the name Talia Head, and she was the she was pretty much the formal person that ran the company during this time because Lex Luthor in the comic books during this time was president of the United States. And that was done kind of as a change to the character and something that would really shake the foundation of just how crazy can Superman comic books get and how far can you take and create the character like Lex Luthor and give him all this power and not let it happen. It was a good power dynamic, and I thought it was a good idea. Now, it has been played, and very much it did help bolster Superman's stories in a lot of ways, and a lot of people like that, because it very much showed how can Superman beat the one thing he, the one person who's always been like the biggest villain to him, which is Lex Luthor, if he's the President of the United States. You know, and it was a very nice dynamic. But to uh, get back to it, Batman, of course, talked to Talia. And him and Talia, they had had a dialogue. Batman's like, I know Talia has some ideas of what's going on. And pretty much he goes and ends up capturing Talia. Pretty much after he confronts So this is on the second attempt. So the first time... He's talked to her, and he goes, I know you have information as to why Poison Ivy has some things, synthetic lipstick filled with kryptonite. You're the only group that would make it. She gave him the answers. That's how they more or less got there. Batman and the comic books, when they meet for the second time, Bruce goes in and decides to go into one of the LexCorp helicopter or airplanes, kidnaps Talia Ghoul, and Prince, because he knows she has more to it, and they found out that more or less Edward Nigma had a brain tumor and his thought process was that in order for him to get over this brain tumor that he had that was inoperable due to Thomas Elliot, who's one of the guys that matched up to it, he needed to get that healed up. So, of course, he went through and jumped into it. And it was one of the pits that was used. And it helped more or less get the Riddler over the brain tumor he had. Which was, it's been in the book. So, <sighs> Bruce, from there, 
kind of, he knows that somebody used it and that Morris, he didn't know that ever there was the one that used it yet. I'm just kind of putting out this really kind of make it easier for you guys. He confronts Raish. Raish, of course, comes in. Him and Bruce, they battle it out. Now, while it's going on, Bruce pretty much is just not holding back. Like He's taking it to Raish al Ghul as hard as he can. All while, pretty much, Lady Shiva, who is one of like the best assassins from the League of Assassins for Raish al Ghul, has been sent to find Talia. Now, Talia course is being held by Catwoman. Catwoman does her best to try and fight Lady Shiva and Mora she gets shown up. Like she holds her own but Lady Shiva's like you're not on my level. Like you're you're gonna get beat easily. It's like the longer this goes the worse it's gonna be for you. And they have of course they have their fight and Catwoman just kind of just gets trounced for the most part. Now, in the movie, the whole Rachel Ghoul, Talia Ghoul, all that fun stuff, they didn't do it because in the previous three movies, uh, Batman, the son, Batman, the son of Batman, or the son of Batman, Batman versus Robin, and I believe it's, uh, oh God, I'm trying to remember what the last one was. It was, uh, it was Batman. Oh, Lord. There was three Batman. There's three Batman phones back-to-back. Good Lord. It's it's going to drive me crazy. Let me look it up while I'm thinking about it. They had, While I'm looking it up, they had, uh, they had done that. It's a... Uh, they had already dealt with Talia Ghoul and everything like that. And where is it? So, they'd already done that story, so of course they modified it. So instead, at this point, they kind of skipped ahead to more or less Bruce and, well, Bruce and Selena Kyle. They had more or less revealed each other's identities to each other, and they became more intimate with one another. Dick, after having a conversation, convinced Bruce to be more forthcoming about it, about everything. Which Bruce and Bruce ended up doing that before this whole stuff with the book with Talia happened, and before pretty much you had Dick and Nightwing or Nightwing and Selena Kyle go off to this graveyard while Bruce was investigating. More or less, where they got confronted by Scarecrow, that never happened in the book. Only happened in pretty much. The how I want to put it, I'm trying. It's it's a lot. It's a lot that goes on, and they kind of just modified a lot of what was having to be done. So it was, yep. So it was Batman versus Robin, and then Batman Bad Blood. So after all that. God, it's been so long. (laughs) I've had to think about how both go. You had pretty much Bruce Beats race to kind of bring it back to normal. It's a lot of plot points. Mind you, I do suggest watching the films or watching 
hush or reading it. But we're, we're getting closer and closer to the end. So after all that kind of just the Scarecrow and Nightwing thing happened in the movie that didn't happen in the book, that was where the differences are starting to add up. So Shiva pretty much beats up Catwoman. Bruce ends up going back. He ends up saving Catwoman to help her out. After everything he had with Raish, they kind of put things together with Riddler. And more or less, he they they start kind of getting more and more into a relationship where everything's going towards Bruce and Selina being together. Now, following that, Bruce kind of, after kind of getting some answers, and when I talked about earlier with that, with the Riddler having the tumor that was inoperable, pretty much Bruce goes to confront the Riddler in jail, more or less. Now, if we're following, pretty much, this is we're following the book. Batman, more or less, has, he looks at Joker, or I say the Riddler, pretty much plays the C-level villain that he was. He admits he did use the Lazarus Pit. He, he had to get cured. But he, more or less, was just a pawn in a game for somebody else, for somebody bigger than him. And more or less, it's kind of where things have, they're converging back to normal, but they're also differencing. So Bruce, of course, he he gets what he wants out of the Riddler. And then in the book, pretty much Helena, or I say Huntress, and pretty much... Catwoman, and kind of fighting out after pretty much Tim kind of confronts Selena and says, you know, I feel like you're you're going to betray him. You're 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 still a villain. Blah blah blah. Kind of just starts saying stuff to really just irritate Selena, and Selena just ends up leave, leaving. Now this is done to Bruce's detriment because Bruce pretty much said like I have a feeling Hush is trying to come after. Her. Like, I know he's going after everybody I love, and he knows Selena is the person right now. And, of course, Helena, or Huntress, of course, her and Catwoman, they start going at it. And while everything's going on, Bruce and Tim, they, they find them, and they've been following them. Bruce goes to kind of stop it. Tim stays behind, and then he gets grabbed by Hush. While pretty much... Batman stops Catwoman and the Hunters from fighting. Now, Hush doesn't believe that Batman's prepared for him, but Batman, of course, has prepared for him and more or less goes and goes after him. And during the fight, the bandages that are around Hush's face, it's part of his outfit, he takes off and reveals that he's Jason Todd. And he says he's the one that actually used the Lazarus Pit, that you let me die. But he never calls Bruce, he never calls Batman Bruce. And I'm pointing that out. And it kind of just, Bruce is at this point, he's, he's taken aback because he, Jason Todd, up to this point in the book, was his greatest failure. He failed to save him, and it utterly, to that point, it had truly just, even up to the comic books today, it, it still haunts Bruce. 
and it messes with Bruce. Bruce, of course, kind of starts putting things together, and he's just messed up about it. They start, of course, Bruce starts, ends up having to battle it out with Jason. Jason Moros is calling Tim a pretender, and it's all these things just to kind of get in Bruce's head. Bruce, of course, manages to get Tim away, and which is for good for both. Bruce kind of ends up, you know, taking it to Jason, and Jason's just still talking it out to him. But as the battle goes on, you actually find out that it's actually not Jason Todd. That's actually Clayface. And that somebody even somebody's even behind that. And that the pretty much the hush they ran into, that was not hush. Now in the comic books at that time comic book at the time, they had not brought back Jason Todd like they did in Batman Under the Red Hood. So of course this was like a crazy moment, and it was an idea that I think Judd Winnick had had in his head for a while. And it very much is interesting to see how just what Jeff Loeb did with bringing back Jason Todd as Clayface, it gave a lot of fans like a chance to be like, oh man, this is so cool, this is so interesting. Like maybe there might be some, some want desire for the character of Jason Todd to come back. So... All of that's going on. There's another small side plot that's happened. So Harvey Dent, who's actually at this point, he's Harvey Dent. Most people would know him as Two-Face. He actually, during this time, he'd gone through surgery. He more or less got returned to normal. And he had actually gone through Thomas Elliot. Now, he had been used to more or less get the Joker out of jail. They had gone through and done that. And the Joker's like, oh, I recognize that voice. I kind of skipped it. But it was one of those things that in the book, there's so much stuff. It's like 12 issues. It's a crazy amount of stuff that's in it. And you find out that Harvey Dent, more or less, was able to get Joker out of jail. Because Joker really didn't do it. And he was able to use his law stuff. And after that, he goes and he confronts Jim. Now, Jim, of course... Jim Gordon, he, he tells Jim, it's like, we need to, we have to stop this, this Hush, the Hush villain. He, he's, his only mission is to kill Batman. That's all he wants. He doesn't care about anything else. And Jim's like, well, I guess I'll have to agree. He kind of is taken aback by this whole thing going on, but he understands that Harvey would not be doing this without a reason. And if you've read, you know, any of the pretty much Long Halloween, Haunted Night, and Dark Victory, Two-Face was really like a bigger villain in the Harvey Dent. Two-Face was a bigger villain in his stories. So kind of just is a little treat to people who've read those books. So from there, you of course, you have Batman and... Hush's more or less final match going on. More or less. And Batman and I'm, I'm going to kind of skip a little bit because a lot of it is kind of just just Bruce figures out who it is. He figures out that in the book that the reason why he contacted Tom Elliott was not because he remembered him. 
but because Harold, who used to work in the Batcave, who was more or some mute, had been contacted by Tom Selleck, who made him be able to talk again. And, of course, he used money to convince him to do this for him. He used that, and Harold put in subliminal messaging machines inside the devices to remind Bruce, Thomas Elliot, Tommy Elliot, Thomas Elliot, to get in his head. So when this would happen, who would Bruce go to? Thomas Elliot. And, of course, Bruce did. Bruce kind of put it together. He recognized he found it, and he goes and confronts Harold. Harold pretty much gets killed by Hush, who's confirmed to be Thomas Elliot. Batman... Morris doesn't know how to really handle that because to him it's kind of like I, I know how to beat you you've been a villain to me like I, I don't know what I did to you but you you truly just you hate me there's nothing I can say or do about it and Bruce kind of just has to deal with that in a lot of ways which is unfortunate now Bruce and him battle it out, but Bruce can't really pull the trigger when it comes down to beating Tom Selleck because they have such a relationship. So, of course, Jim and Harvey, they end up arriving, and they help out Bruce in this. And Tom Selleck ends up getting away. And more or less, after everything that's gone on. And kind of, pretty much, Jim goes, well, we're taking you to jail Harvey, because we know you had, you were involved with it. You admitted you, because Harvey, of course, when he wouldn't talk to Jim, he admitted he had involvement with it. That Thomas Elliot had pretty much gone to a lot of trouble to get a lot of Batman's biggest villains to really come and mess with him. And it kind of just, they left it on where Bruce and Selena kind of just, they went their separate ways. Harvey went back to jail. Bruce kind of just had to deal with what he's been left with. He had to recognize that he, the, he had a family. The thing I brought up earlier, that Thomas Elliott didn't have what Bruce had. He was alone. But Thomas Elliott, when I talked about earlier, oh, you know, he wanted to rekindle it. He, he got over it. He never did. He was mad because at the end of the day, Bruce still had everything. Thomas Elliot had nothing. You know, it was all such a craziness. Now, that's the graphic novel. I definitely suggest reading it. Now for the actual movie to kind of show after the diversions. After the whole Scarecrow, Nightwing, and Catwoman scene, because that never happened, they managed to beat her beat Scarecrow. Catwoman pretty much injects... Nightwing with some anti-fear toxin to kind of help him out because they managed to beat Scarecrow because he had infected him. Batman goes and confronts Riddler in jail. Now at this point, Riddler, he knows the Riddler's not really who he is and pretty much slashes his throat. That's where it's revealed to be Clayface. And Clayface goes after Batman. Batman manages to beat Clayface. And Batman and Catwoman lit go on to confront Riddler. And Riddler, of course, who is still hyped up on all the, pretty much I'd say, the 
Lazarus Pit's effects made him way stronger. So, of course, way stronger and more crazy. So, he's, of course, trying to battle it out with Batman and Catwoman. He more or less gets the better of Catwoman. Bruce kind of has to piece together everything. And they, they go through all sorts of craziness. Bat, like, it's this whole elaborate, low. Batman will figure out which place it is, and it'll come down to this one. Because this one references Arthur Wynn, who created... It's a whole giant riddle. Definitely, you can check out the movie. And Batman, of course, ends up pretty much kind of just calling out Riddler's ego. Riddler gets mad and ends up beating the Riddler. But as Riddler's about to fall, Batman, of course, saves him. And Catwoman goes, why are you still trying to save him? Because at this point in the movie, you find out that, no, Thomas Elliot really did die and that the Riddler actually had his body exhumed. And used it to try and mess with Bruce at the end, which was an interesting twist. I thought it was a very interesting idea when I when I rewatched it. Because the first time I watched it, I'll be honest with you, I was not super happy with like the ending. But I'll, I'll kind of explain it as I get through there. So after all that, Bruce and Selena kind of go their own separate ways. And Morris, it just returns them to the status quo where Bruce has to recognize that even if he wanted to be with Selena, there was no way he could. That was kind of like one of the bigger things, that Bruce could never truly love her. Because at the end of the day, he would never truly change for her. So she would have to change for him, and she did. And no matter what, it just didn't work in their favor. So, biggest twists were from differences was really the ending. The ending really where you find out that for the movie it's Riddler being Hush while in the book it's actually Thomas Elliot. To me, I preferred the book ending because I felt like the book just did so much. While the movie did cover a lot of the basic points that you would need for the story and for the most part they actually did a very, in my opinion, very faithful adaptation until the end. Because if you watch it up to that point, they they really did do a great, you know, story. I think that I get why they changed certain things. Because if you try to go based off the continuity of DC when the book was written, it very much would mess with what you've previously done. And I think they didn't want to introduce a new villain. I think they just wanted to kind of just use the Riddler. And with him already, you know... Everywhere he was, they could kind of tie stuff in, and it was kind of a reference to uh, Batman Venom, which is an old graphic novel where Riddler was hyped up on the Venom serum that Bane uses, and he got hyped up on it thanks to Bane, because it was his way to test out Batman, see how he could handle him, and of course, it, he beat Riddler pretty handedly. You know, Riddler's smart when he got more powerful. He got dumber because of the serum. So it was a nice reference. But those are some of like the bigger differences between them. I think at the end of the day, I will say that I feel like Batman Hush, it's one of those ones I feel like you kind of have to go in and if you've read the original story, you may or may not like it. You'll have one of those where... Where you're like, uh, 
They they stayed faithful to a point and then they just diverged. Or you're gonna be like, I get why they did it. Like I was, where I, when I rewatched it, I was like, okay, I get why they did that because trying to stick co- as close to the book is and try and bring Thomas Elliot in, play off the Jason Todd story elements, do all that stuff. It's just a lot for an hour and a half film, almost two hour film. For like, I think it was only an hour and. Almost an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes, something like that. Be very difficult for them to truly do that film justice. Get all those plot points in, especially in a new continuity that hadn't had those involved yet, or hadn't really played on those old things. So, for me personally. And I th- I've thought about this. If I was going to do that, I would actually do what... I would actually do a cartoon series. I would actually have done... You know, if I, if I was going to do the Hush storyline, I would actually do it as... Kind of... And this is going to sound really weird to some people. But I would do it as kind of like a weird idea of that I would do as a precursor to Under the Red Hood with Jason Todd. Kind of similar to what they did with the actual stories itself with Judd Winnick. But I would do as a precursor, kind of let the whole world kind of have where Jason Todd's on the mind of Bruce and kind of just play off that to later bring in pretty much the under the Red Hood story, which I would end up doing that in a couple episodes. I feel like that could be done easily and not with craziness. But you'd also have to do the death in the family story. And for me, I don't think it would be impossible. I think doing that in like kind of like the Batman the Animated Series style and just doing that with the voice cast they think they could probably get, I think a lot of people would be excited for it. I would definitely see that they would have to change stuff. Like, I don't feel as though... I feel like Hush would have to be something that would be over, like, a season. Or, like, a good amount of, you know, episodes. Like, it'd be an arc in the series. And it would be something I feel like they would need to let play out while you're also weaving in... Weaving in Under the Red Hood. To me, I think that's really the best way to do those stories because they have to go sequentially with each other. To me, I think that'd be the only way. In order to really get the real impact of you've already got a phone of Bruce Wayne from Hush. He's already lost, you know, Selena Kyle, who was love of his life, Tim at that point. He has Tim Drake, who's his Robin. He uh you have Dick Grayson who is more or less just his, you know, Nightwing, and just kind of play with that. That, to me, I feel like that would do so well. So, with that being said, I think I'm probably going to close it out, but definitely, for a movie, I definitely say check out the movie, or if not, read the graphic novel. I'll probably do a little more in-depth one, like how I would actually do the story, probably later. 
because I feel like this podcast is super long. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening and have a great day. Later.